0: Welcome to The Lojo Show. Thank you for joining us. We are habitually complacent. Mother has a second name, it's M-A-Y-E-R. What? There's always a persistent threat. There is no monopoly on good ideas when it comes to cybersecurity. Welcome to The Lojo Show. I'm your host, Loverture Jones, aka Lojo. I have over 21 years of cybersecurity experience, and I am honored to be able to bring some of that experience to you. You may have noticed it has been a while since we released a new episode. This is because we have been working tirelessly behind the scenes to make The Lojo Show even better. We have collected a network of elite professionals with a wealth of experience who want to share their experience with you. Also, we will be working closely with our sponsor BlackRock Engineering and Technology to give you tools to perfect your end user training and cyber education. We also have created a Discord server where you can engage with myself, our team, and other listeners. All of this and so much more. We hope you will subscribe to the new and improved Lojo Show on Podbean or wherever you get your podcasts. Today, we are starting a new series supported by our sponsor BlackRock Engineering and Technology. BlackRock has been releasing several infographics this month covering cybersecurity fundamentals. Joining me today to discuss these topics is my producer, Jonathan Logan. Howdy. Today, we will go in-depth about the cybersecurity fundamentals you need to know. We hope you enjoy this informational episode.
1: So we're gonna start with the first infographic uh, from BlackRock Engineering Technology, eight tips for a remote workforce. This is really important because especially since the pandemic, most people are working remote or hybrid positions. So how do you keep your workforce and yourself secure?
0: So I remember in March of 2020 when the world kind of changed here. I mean, I don't even, I, let's just remove the word kinda. The world changed. The work became very different. Used to be you work for a large company or so, you get dressed, you put on your, some places, suit and tie, other places, your polo and some khakis or some slacks, and you walk in the office, and basically everything was security in a box for you. You had your laptop, your laptop connected to the wireless LAN in your office. That wireless LAN was either using some sort of ACS or access control system there, and voila, you've got security built in right there in your office, right? It wasn't perfect. You know, it still is not perfect. It never will be perfect. Yeah. But when we began this real exodus from the workplace to remote work, you not only advanced how we do work and what the future workplace was, but you also advance what your attack surfaces look like. So, more attention has to be paid to how you secure your remote worker because they're not using the same connection techniques. They don't connect to your LAN from an office or through a landline. now. They connect it through their own Wi-Fi at their own
1: house. Which is still probably set to the default name and password.
0: Usually is. Or it's just a weak password because you know what? Everybody's kids are on their Wi-Fi at their house as well, and everybody kids' friends is on the Wi-Fi, and even the person that comes in your house and you don't even know them might be on your Wi-Fi.
1: Yeah, some people still have the like our Wi-Fi password in their kitchen. Yeah,
0: absolutely, absolutely. Um, I don't. That's just because my Wi-Fi password is fairly easy in the house. Honest <laughs> with you. It is a place in which you, it is your house, but I can tell you that most don't necessarily secure their house in the same way that their workplace would be. And I will tell you right now, the biggest offenders of this are actually IT workers.
1: Makes sense, actually, because they're kind of sick of working on it at work, so they don't want to come home and mess with it anymore.
0: Yeah, well, that, and also they like to tinker and play, right? Mm. And the more complex they make it, the worse it is. And that's exactly why having remote work can either it can benefit your workers in the way that, hey, you know what? They're working from home. They're happier. They might be balancing their life a little bit better and stuff on that. But actually, it's proven that they work longer. Mm. But there are some really good, easy ways to really approach this if you are looking at your remote workforce. So let's talk about updates. Now, first and foremost, we get up in the morning, most of us to take a shower, right? We shave. We put our deodorant on, um, brush our teeth put on our clothes and we leave preferably clean clothes. Well, that's the same thing when it comes to your cyber hygiene as an organization and what you wanna push to your workers as well. And your IT should start this really immediately and automatically. So updating, make sure you have automatic updates enabled. This is something that's absolutely important for just general workplace hygiene, right? Even though that workplace is now extended into people's homes and stuff from there, you need to take on the same hygiene. Patches, um, updates, um, all of those things are necessary to at least scrub you down each and every day and stay as clean as you can. It's not gonna save everything. It's not going to make you absolutely impenetrable, but it does give you that initial start to making it much more task-intensive to be exploited or for someone to exploit your organization through remote workers and through their hardware and software.
1: Right. And I mean, if the main thing, like Patch Tuesday, when it comes out, a lot of those are zero-day attacks. And when when a patch is released, immediately, if you don't patch it, Someone's reverse engineering that zero-day exploit and is using it to try and attack all the unpatched systems. So it's very important to make sure that you are staying up to date on your updates. i said that weird, but... Mm-hmm.
0: Right. And the other part is is don't leave it into in your workers' hands to do it themselves. Right. Okay? We are human beings. We will find the easiest way to get to the end. Right? We will find the easiest means to get to an end right? That's exactly why we don't make complex passwords in our house. This is exactly why um, when, you, when you present something new and they don't understand it, that the initial attempt to stop it is, hey, wait, th- does this really work better than what we did before? Mm-hmm. Right? So an important part here kind of dovetails us into the next step uh, here or the next uh, action you can do, and that is making sure that you're setting up a VPN or a software-defined network or extended gateway, a secure gateway edge for your workers to connect to. Because what this does is that from their endpoint that you've provided and you're managing as an organization, now when they connect via VPN, updates can be pushed immediately. That can be a part of the um, posture checking and stuff too that can happen with the agents on the computer. And then based on that, you can go ahead and update the software that's on their system. That's as simple as your Windows software, and that is as complex as your security software and stuff, too, that's there, your uh, anti-malware, your antivirus and stuff, too, that it's required when you make that connection or so, uh, from a VPN standpoint, to act just like you've just plugged your laptop into your office network. You're going to push those updates. People are going to cry about it. They're going to be like, going it, it takes us 30 minutes to log into our computer. But you know what? It's important that you get these updates. Leading us into our next one. Now, probably one of the biggest attack vectors right now for organizations. And this is both a compliment to organizations, but also a cautionary tale. You can put out the most robust security. You can have uh, micro-segmentation throughout your entire infrastructure, right? In your your applications and access for that. You can have probably the best endpoint manager out there. You can have perfect, absolutely perfect Perfect monitoring of what's going on and stuff in the organization but it's that one employee that opens up that one stupid email right and answers it with their credential or clicks on a link they shouldn't click on while they are connected right Uh, this from a phishing standpoint making sure that you're watching out for phishing as an organization is absolutely important so when you provide email or email service, I would say one of the things that has absolutely blown my mind over the past you know, two or three years here, here are the tools that you can use for anti-phishing. Google has an anti-phishing capability and stuff within it, right? Office 365 and stuff for Outlook and stuff too. These are there, but little. a lot of times people don't configure these, right? Or they'll go ahead and look outside of the bounds and go, hey, you know what? I want to use another third-party software application or so to do this. You can do that. You can have it done by a service provider. But one of the things is that, you know, if a cyber criminal really wants to look for the easiest, fastest, quickest way to make their way into an organization, especially one that has, let's say, 15, 16, 17, 18,000 people, is to look at the employees as the path of least resistance. They are the path of least resistance, and the reason why is because we're fallible. And I've said this before. We are fallible as individuals. We're fallible as individuals, especially when we are working at home. We're fallible as individuals in the fact that now we are absolutely addicted to making sure we read every single email and that we reply to it. This is known. This is known in the community. This is known by, work, by, 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 by bad actors. And, you know, you as an employee are going to be targeted. Your employees as an organization, manager or executive, they're going to be targeted. There's going to be phishing scams um, and everything. So being able to provide training, right, tools that are in in there to be able to provide training and phishing exercises and looking at the click rate and stuff, too, for phishing emails, Um, being able to understand that and also being able to engage your employees uh, on their you know, cyber posture, cyber knowledge and stuff too, is an important part to be sure that you're doing on a regular basis um, as an organization that has remote workers. Passwords, passwords, okay? Here's a tip for passwords, right? You wanna make sure as an organization that you don't make the passwords easy still. I mean, this is kind of one of the oldest rules in the book right now, Mm -hmm. right? Um, the more complex you make the password, the longer it takes for someone to try to crack that password. If they get, uh, if they have access to a hash file or, or, or or to a machine, so yes, you want the complexity there. Here's the key. Like I said, you are operating both on um, now a less secure network. You're attaching to a home network in this case, um, likely with the default settings all there still. Password is really your first line of defense when it comes to your actual laptop or endpoint or device that you're going to use, even if it's your mobile device, right? So password complexity, um, making sure that you are also expiring passwords, old ones, because people like to reuse passwords. I can't tell you how many times I found that you have a password that you um, that's uh, been um, a password that's been uh, compromise that's maybe even been on for sale on the dark web or even even identified by your you know, provider like google or so on that mm-hmm. well you'll find that people have used the same password <laughs> for their work computer right right across the board
1: like reddit reddit just had a breach where that's like one point something million passwords were leaked and i was wondering i'm like i wonder how many of those passwords can be used on people's home network or even work devices mm-hmm. Most people do not make unique passwords for everything.
0: No, most people don't make unique passwords for everything. Um, And here's the other part. It it can be so easy to connect with some of the um, email applications that are out there today, right? Um, So an example is this. Say you use Google on your machine right here, and you want to be able to connect your Office 365 account. Okay, well, i just type in my address of my... Company, right? As far as the address, my my email address there, and then it 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 actually takes me to my portal, my company portal, right? Um, And then at that point in time, I plug in credentials that I've had, and I do get a. And for some organizations, you've got the MFA component that's been implemented and integrated for that. So yeah, they would have to answer the MFA. That's great, but if you're an organization that didn't do that, you now have a pretty large. Vector attack vector there, right? Mm-hmm. So it's very easy to overlook and oversee these types of things. Yeah, a lost mobile device now is almost like the key to the world. Mm. Right? You leave a device open, it's out there, it's just sitting, and there's the opportunity for bad actors or even mischievous people to be able to grab that particular phone or grab that particular item and. Uh, Go in and do what it is that they want to do. And if they're savvy, then guess what? Your organization is at risk. Because if you are a trusted insider of the organization, then you can have free reign of that. Right? So, again, password stuff tells me into MFA. So, passwords have been, even though they're the most popular first line of defense, they are also the weakest line of defense. Right? 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 So you've got multi-factor authentication. So factors there, right? Something you know, something you have, something you are. Uh, these are things that are, are, are very important. And a lot of organizations right now have moved to things like Microsoft Authenticator or Get Google Authenticator. And mm. some orgs use their own little Authenticator too, right? Or the challenge to your cell phone number. Right. 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 so many ways that this comes into play and they are good they're very good and easy ways to make it more complex to be able to um, to be able to uh, export your organization um, you as employees who are listening to this you know just an idea there I know that MFA is a horrible user experience right <laughs> nobody nobody likes MFA initially because it is the user experience sucks. You're sitting there, you're working on your laptop. You stop, you leave, right, and then you come back. Hey, I've locked this computer. I've locked this item as far as on the application. It's like, hey, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta submit another, uh, another code. <laughs> right. Please open your authenticator and type in this code. Oh, great. You know, again, it, you are messing with my convenience. Mm-hmm. Right. This is my convenience. I can't get stuff done in the, the, the quick in the at the speed that I want to get it done. Right. Yeah. So most people find it absolutely inconvenient. I find it inconvenient. I really do. I find it inconvenient. I, I even know that I know why I'm doing it. I know how I'm doing it. But it just really, really sucks when I'm trying to do something fast and I got to type that stupid code in. <laughs> or I got to search through the little apps all through my phone to find my Authenticator app and pull that up and look at it, right? And That's then <laughs> usually I got multiple <laughs> things in my in my, in my app there. Right. And, you know, the likelihood is I'll type in the wrong one <laughs> into the wrong system and then right. I don't
1: get it. So, or it expires, like right as you finish oh, yeah, typing it Yeah, or it, it expires. You do the whole thing it all over again. It is
0: highly inconvenient for you sometimes as a user, but it is absolutely necessary. Your convenience sometimes just does not outweigh the potential loss for your organization. And you definitely want to keep your organization running there because that is also,
1: you know, your career too. Mm-hmm. Right. That that redundancy will catch more threats than if you just have the one, you know, your password or, you know, just a a default firewall stuck up there. Like you need to have configuration and redundancy in place to help actually protect your organization. You can't Mm -hmm. just slap something on it and call it good. Yep. Yep.
0: That's exactly it, man. Other rule here is keep it separate, man. Mm -hmm. You know, don't let the peas touch the carrots.
1: All right. Don't let the peas touch don't the carrots. Don't
0: let the peas touch the carrots. If and what am I getting at here when I say don't let the peas touch the carrots?
1: If the bacon touches the broccoli, throw out the bacon.
0: You know what? Bacon goes on everything, though. That's I mean, true, that's yeah. the exception. All right. Bacon can go on everything. All right. But,
1: you know, at this point,
0: the peas and the carrots. All right. You have your work computer, the peas, and you have your home computer, which is the carrot. Now, I'm a Mac guy. I love Macs. I love my Apple stuff. I enjoy it. I enjoy the convenience of it, right? And funny enough, I know more about a Mac than I do about Windows now. Wow. Right? Just like I still actually know more about Red Hat than I know about Windows. I use it begrudgingly. I am begrudged when I use Lojo Windows is begrudged. Machine, right? <laughs> now, I have that begrudge because I run Windows applications on my Mac. But what I will not do, I will not commingle my work with my personal computer, Mm -hmm. right? Don't do that. Make sure as an organization, if I'm talking to organization leaders, that you put in preventative measures to not allow for that. And some of that is, one, being able to identify devices that are yours managed devices and not only allowing those managed devices to intermingle with your work applications, your documents and stuff too for that, locking those in place. There are plenty of features and stuff too that are rich within Microsoft 365 as well as within Google Workspace that allows you to really, really at a granular level, um, lock that down and prevent that from happening, all right, to the employees. This is an area that can be potentially dangerous for your organization and for you. Cross-pollinating your work data with your private data and devices uh, from there not only introduces your work to your home, but it also it introduces your home to your work as right. well. Right? It's a two-way street. It's a two-way street. And it can it can lead to some embarrassing situations, right? Right. We are. Let's let's face it. We're all savvy on Facebook these days. We're all savvy, pretty much, on Instagram and Twitter and all these things too. And you know, uh, to be honest with ourselves too, we do things on those areas: pictures, media, comments, statements, and all those things that ordinarily we don't want our poor workers to necessarily know, right? Especially those who are in charge of us, Mm -hmm. you know, with that, because it may reflect something that's unprofessional, even though it was intended to be in a personal life, but now it's in your professional life. So you're the one in that case to blame for introducing something that was personal and part of your privacy into your workplace. That's your fault. Yep. And if it's something that's against your company policy from that, and you're saying it's an accident, guess what? You still broke policy in that instance. Mm -hmm. So there are repercussions for that. Now, from a cyber standpoint, likelihood is that your home stuff is less secure than your work stuff. So if you're pulling up your emails and downloading that, downloading content and stuff that's supposed to be for work to your personal computer, well, that Norton antivirus or McAfee or whichever antivirus that expired two years ago and it just (laughs) pops up and you keep hitting the X button on it, because you don't feel like spending $15.99 to update that license, guess what? Now you are susceptible susceptible to having an incident based on the fact that you're on your home computer. And don't even shake your head, guys, out there. like You've never just ignored that little button that came up on your screen saying you... Your your license is expiring. You need to update this. It's fifteen ninety nine per month, or you could pay the two hundred dollars or whichever for the year, the annual. Don't act like you didn't ignore those. I know you ignore them. Okay.
1: Antivirus. Speaking of Norton and Speaking McAfee.
0: Of Norton antivirus and McAfee and and all the other antivirus op- uh, items out there, antivirus, anti malware. Right, all these things are important for you to have now. Um, listen, it will stop at least ninety-eight percent of what ails you, whether it's hey additional ransomware, as far as it's being hidden through malware and inserted through malware. Um, it will stop. Uh, it will stop other malicious software and stuff too that uh, you don't want on your PC, it will stop questionable stuff as well. It doesn't stop everything, and that's why I said 98%. But it's nice to only have to worry about the 2% that's there, right? The other part is is that, yes, antivirus also tends to be inconvenient for folks if you're trying to attach uh, different uh, items to your computer, download certain... Uh, packages and items to your uh, to your work computer. A lot of times, you've got antivirus and or endpoint managers and stuff too. In that case, that are going to prevent that. So you, maybe you're not going to be able to go to the sites that you want to go through go to because those sites are meant for you to do that on your personal computer, right. not on your work computer. But again, it's creating a depth of security capabilities that will give you a likely good outcome when it comes. To protecting your organization, and protecting your uh, and protecting your uh, your your crown jewels and things that you are interested in as well. Again, it's bi-directional, both your home and your work. In that case, so antivirus it does it helps to neutralize threats, you know, immediately after you see them, and that is one of the things that is a uh, a positive on antivirus. Organizations usually have this already bound as far as in their standard distribution for their computers. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of times these things are pushed. And if not, then you need to have a d- discussion with your IT manager and your cybersecurity you know, manager, engineers and stuff on that. Because, again, it's one of those basic hygiene areas that should be solved. Mm-hmm. Last but not least, here's the magic of things, right? whitelisting it used to be that hey the whole world here can get in but i'm going to block these few right but well, still the whole world can get in right if you if you have let's let's put it in this context if you're at a club you got a bouncer standing at the door right and that bouncer is making the decisions kind of on their own on who gets in and who doesn't get in well then you're probably going to have more people that get in that you didn't want to get in right Human error, that's just what it happens, right? So whitelisting really denies everything until you explicitly say it's allowed. That's what whitelisting is. So now imagine this. The bouncer is standing at the door. He or she has a list. And if you're not on that list, then you're not getting in. And so that is whitelisting. That's the beauty of it. There are software applications, there are firewalls, there are proxies, there are all sorts of capabilities that you can uh, install, even in your email and stuff too, that allows you to whitelist. And that way you are now shrinking your attack surface because now you have a purposeful list of people, emails, services, applications that can actually Interconnect or interact or integrate into your environment and for you to be able to use it.
1: Right. It's explicit permission mm-hmm. instead of explicit denial, because that's it's a much easier and smaller list to manage mm-hmm. instead of the other way around. Yep. And it's just much more efficient when it comes to that. Even if something
0: goes wrong, well now I don't have to search all, you know, million or whichever addresses and stuff from there. I just go, hey, which one address is it that we're not getting here? Right? Mm-hmm or which user was not allowed to have, or which user has explicit rights to use these resources. So whitelisting is a very effective way and effective tool for doing that.
1: On that note, uh, let's go ahead and jump into the defense in depth cyber uh, infographic from BlackRock Engineering Technology, because we kind of talked about some defense in depth concept and um, tools we can use. So let's go through that.
0: Defense in depth. This term has been around for probably now close to 20, 21 years maybe now at this point. Um, actually, is it maybe 20, yeah, 21 years, all right? Defense in depth. Um, you used to see all these pictures back in the day of just this like middle core, like gold <laughs> in mm-hmm. the middle, and then they'd have circles around it, and they'd talk about defense in depth, right? Uh-huh. So defense in depth is really the... You know it has really been kind of the the torch carrier as far as in the model that organizations follow when they are thinking about how they're going to secure their crown jewels their most important data the most important processes their most important means of making money and generating revenue right or in the dod sense um, of how we protect the homeland right so Let's start with defense in depth. First concept, physical controls, physical security, gates, guards, fences, cameras, all these cool things, right? Mm -hmm. Physical security, locks and stuff.
1: Yep. Fingerprint readers, key cards, RFID tags. Mm -hmm.
0: Yep. So everything that James Bond can break in two minutes, okay? (laughs) Every tool he has is meant to break physical security. That is what that show is all about, right? That's what that movie's usually all about, right? He broke physical security, he got in there and then he told them his name. <laughs> hey, I broke into the house. What's your name? Bond. James James Bond. Bond. It's kind of cool. I mean, honestly, that's that's you know, that, that shows quite a bit of bravado there. Yeah, um, bravado is one word. <laughs> um when we talk about physical security, um, yes, it is the first form of security and stuff too that's out there. It's um, really saying, look, I'm going to make sure that I layer in fences, guards, and gates and stuff too so that nobody can get to my valuables, my physical valuables. Well, then some geniuses decided to create value out of things that are networked so that stuff can talk to each other. Right? So now we've got a representation of that value that can now go over wire, over a network. Right. That network delivers information and data from one place to another and with it you need to now put security controls on it because if you don't then anybody can read what you're sending, anybody can intercept what you're sending, anybody can manipulate what you're sending and anybody essentially can use that to their own means right or to their own Um, ambitions. Network security controls will help in controlling that type of flow, right? Therefore, you are now being able to dwindle down the likelihood of somebody listening on your network, somebody intercepting information and reading stuff that they shouldn't, as well as um, keeping the availability of the network so that people can communicate with valid communications. So putting in the right controls and stuff for that is your second step here, right? This is your second layer, right? The organization needs to be able to interact. How do they interact? They interact over a network, therefore you need to put in network controls to help that. Now, you want to augment this, right? It, it, doesn't, uh, it, doesn't, it doesn't work unless you can really project your controls, right? So you get to administrative controls. Somebody's got to be able to configure your network, somebody's gotta be able to configure, let's say a key card system and stuff that's there. So in this case, you also want to be able to authorize employees in the organization. So you gotta have them authenticate, then you're gonna authorize and you're gonna say, you are allowed to go here, but you're not allowed to go there, right? You're allowed to read this, but you can't read that. You can read that, but you can't change it, right? Hmm. So these are controls that you put, on employees or organization personnel and stuff from that that tells them what they can and can't do. Right. right.
1: And it's really important to follow the principles of the least privilege when applying these controls Yeah, because you only want to give the employee the minimum permissions that they need to complete their tasks because anything else beyond that could be uh, risk later down the road. Right.
0: And so you got your administrative controls, and then we are right back to antivirus, right? And that is, again, because when folks are going to access something, a network, or even use an administrative control, they have to have a laptop, or they have to have a a computer, or they have to have a device that's capable of that. And so, yeah, that's where you now have antivirus in that case, because what you're trying to stop is automated routines and automated scripts and stuff from actually uh, exploiting your organization. And so the way that you do that is utilizing you know, antivirus. In addition to this now, you also have our behavioral uh, analysis. Behavioral analysis is, is pretty unique. It, it's been around for some time now, but uh, if you really look at it, it's where you've built a mathematical model or an algorithm right, as well with what we call machine learning that can actually detect anomalies, other anomalies. This can be in areas of like your employee behavior. So an employee, let's say, hasn't logged in or logs in every day typically at eight o'clock, right, in the morning, Uh, does their work, finishes their work usually around three o'clock or four o'clock, right, and they're out. Yet now you see them log in at two o'clock in the morning Mm -hmm. Right. So behaviorally, that doesn't match what this employee's um, practices are. It doesn't match. So you want to be able to identify those instances, especially if that becomes a pattern. Right. Those instances can become a pattern. In that case, now you have analytics and information related to the applications and devices that they've been accessing, and you can say that, hey, you know what, this does not meet the baseline or match the baseline of what our employees are doing if they are doing something that is
1: job-related. Right, and I mean, there can be instances where your employee that logs in 8 to 4 every day logs in at 2 a.m., but that's because they traveled to Japan or to Europe or something, and now the time zone is different, yeah. right? So you can keep your eye out for those anomalies, but then also take into account the applicable changes in behavior that are actually appropriate for what they're doing. Mm -hmm. So that's why you, you have to stay on top of what your employees are doing and where they are, not just watching and then sending alerts up all the time, but it is good to always follow up whenever something pops up that is abnormal.
0: Yep. No, no, definitely perfectly said, um, you know, establishing that baseline. And that's the thing. Behavioral analysis requires a lot of data. It requires a lot of data because you have to establish what is a normal pattern and what is, a, um, what is an anomaly? What is an what is anomalous activity you know, from that? And then based on that, that's where you're setting your benchmarks and your lines of okay. This is not a normal behavior Maybe they need to make an adjustment Right or maybe they are malicious. Maybe they are stealing information for our competitors possibly
1: Yeah, so this ties right into the the next infographic from BlackRock Engineering Technology, which is your cyber attack surface. So we're talking about defense in depth and um, having remote employees. All this kind of dictates what your attack surface is. What will uh, malicious actors and hackers be trying to get at when they look at your organization and what defense in depth principles you're following or not following that dictates kind of what the areas of attack are that they have, what opportunities do they have to exploit you.
0: Right. And this is where, you know, one of the things when we talk about cyber attack surfaces, um, cyber is a very broad topic, right? IT is a very broad topic. And so when we look at, um, when we look at cyber and the attack services, one of the things as an organization that you need to do is preemptively and proactively identify what are my valuable areas that if people are given the chance and time would like to take.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And so for that, I always say you need to look at your organization through the lens of a you know threat assessment. And then in addition to that, framing a risk analysis, right? So that you understand what are your biggest risks and what are the impacts of those. hmm in this instance, we're talking about digital assets, right? If you download third-party software, allow detachable media, or use any type of software protections, you may be exposed to, or could be exposed to zero-day attacks. So if I'm putting out there a, a new, let's say a new um, a new device manager or so there, right? Mm-hmm. And I understand that this device manager has Been compromised in the past, or been part of a you know of a a, a breach or so in the past, then I don't necessarily just say, "Hey, that needs to go away." Uh, I look at it and I go, "Well, for my organization, and putting in the context of my organization, well, we sell, you know, mats, right? Mm -hmm. Let's say we sell mats, right? Mats that go down on a dry cleaner's floor, or goes down in the front of a building, or so from there, right? Okay. What's the likelihood that they're trying to steal the newest your mat recipe, right? (laughs) What's what's the likelihood of that? It's probably not a big likelihood of right. That. This is where you have to make that adjustment as an organization of look. Do I need to put so much money and effort into this part of what we're doing? Because basically, it's like this. I don't want to carry two dollars inside of a ten thousand dollar purse. Right. That's what we have to be aware of. You know, don't don't do that. Physical assets. So physical assets, I mean, these are things that can be physically lifted up, stolen, taken, (laughs) put down somewhere else, right? mm -hmm. So again, this is where you have your physical security and stuff too that needs to be in place, right? Because your attack surface, if you don't have a fence or a lock gate or a locked door or uh, a roving security guard or so uh, for your organization and in particular, let's say for people at home, right? your physical security is your house security. So it's your door lock and then your doors that's either upstairs or downstairs or whichever where you keep your work computer. That has really changed in this world these days. Like I said, it, it, it was a matter at one point of us going into offices, locking the door and stuff at the office and voila, we are right. safe, we're secure. We have taken care of a lot of our physical security but that has now been distributed. The responsibility has been distributed to the employees in their own homes. Some of which are trained, some of them which are not trained. So, what does that give you? Well, it's going to give you a mixed bag of issues. Right. A mixed bag of issues is this, right? If you have computers, hardware, software, phones, uh, cameras, etc., there's risk. There's risk assault. There's risk evolved with that. There's risk that's associated with that. Don't ignore this risk because what it does is it puts holes and gaps in your training. If I'm going to, let's say, send out a hard token for organi- for you know, every user, you know, have a laptop or a system in my organization, then my expectation is that I'm doing a sig- significant investment in this, mm-hmm. right? And I need to protect this and I need to have the actual physical capability to do that. And so that is where you do need to have uh, uh, appropriate controls uh, for physical access to your device, physical access to the room that you... Work in um, physical access, you know, type security things to manage, um, you know, overall the environment, you know, in which you're going to work, because that's where your losses can happen. The other part is is that with devices, being able to have physical access to to a to a device like a laptop, even a server or anything like that, well, guess what? You can now typically get around any type of software-based controls for that, because now you have direct access to the data. Mm-hmm. Right, you have direct access to, you know, to uh, you know, to important processes and stuff too. From that, that's where you do want to make sure that you're enacting physical access to security. And you can do things and add things like, you know, uh, MFA or a token there for you to do that. For instance, somebody using a USB or so to move data from one place to another. In that case, use an encrypted USB or one that right. can be managed. Right? These are things that you need to be able to do as an organization. Then there's the humans. Right? We're the biggest attack surface out there. We are the biggest <laughs> attack surface, and it's because it can be mentally, it can be physically, it can be
1: in all sorts of ways. Yeah, yeah. human hacking is for sure a, a massive vector of attack. I mean, there's books written about it. There's whole companies built around preventing human hacking, mm-hmm. the well, social it engineering. Was the,
0: it was the first type of hacking,
1: right? Yeah, human
0: hacking true. is the first type of hacking. Back when I was a charmer as a as a kid, I could I knew that if I, you know, gave them the eyes and the little puppy dog look or so, I could get what <laughs> I wanted, right? Even if it wasn't right. You know, it was uh it was in those times that you realize that man, humans are fallible, we don't even realize it, right? Yep. We can all be charmed. Manipulation has been around since mm-hmm. the dawn of time.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, we can all be charmed, we can all be manipulated,
1: we can all be led astray when it comes to this, right? Yep, insider threats. Um, phishing, these are, those are some of the easiest ones to think of for human, uh, attack surface vectors.
0: Communication. Whatever we use communication or for communication inside of our organizations, you have to be aware of that attack surface. So I, I, t- I went back to, you know, 2020, right? Where now you now have more work computers than ever on home Wi-Fi's communication is essential for you to do work. You have to communicate for you to do work. Now you have to do or have a Google meet or a, uh, zoom or I can't remember the name of that one. The other one. Yeah. Teams. I hate that one, but, (laughs) um, teams is a necessary evil. It's there. Um, I don't like it as much as I like Zoom, but... You know,
1: yeah, the interface is not as good. Yeah, yeah.
0: but you know what? Most companies, that was, one of, that was one of the first solutions that they put in when they went over, especially within our aerospace and defense companies and stuff too from that, that Teams was kind of the, the thing, right? Mm-hmm. And they did a good job of making sure that they made Teams um, a, a defense version for it so that folks could indeed interact um, remotely, you know, together, collaborate and stuff for it. So, it's, it's, it so it is, it's so it that's that's one of the things. But again, this is where we have to look at the internet connections that organizations have because that leads you to everywhere, right? If you have Teams and you're sitting on an insecure network, well guess what? Now there's ways to be able to intercept that information and data and stuff too on that network because now you're sending voice video packets and everything else across your network. However, again, it's in an app and there's a lot of security that has been put in place. So making sure that that is a managed endpoint again, before you put it on a network or before you as an organization, allow your employees to do it is absolutely essential because that creates a huge vulnerability for your org because we want and have that need to communicate. We'll always be communicated or connected now. So when we think about that communication and stuff too, from that end, we need to have, um, good solid security. Um, Security uh, capabilities, techniques, software, and uh, just overall ability.
1: Right, and and it's not for communication. It's not just making sure that no one can listen, in, but also make sure that no one can cut off your communication as well. Because mm-hmm. you have to have that availability. Yeah. Yep. No, good point.
0: I mean, basically, the lack of availability and stuff of communications is going to be probably the you know probably the most uh, crucial thing for an organization because that stops you from working. Right.
1: Without stops communication, there's no progress.
0: Right. It stops you from. You know, having the progress that you need doesn't work to be profitable. And then if we translate that into, let's say, a government or DOD need, now you're being distracted from the mission because you can't get on, you can't communicate. This is one of the biggest issues that we saw in aerospace and defense industries and stuff there, especially for companies that are doing contracts and have government computers. Taking an hour and a half, two hours, and sometimes three hours just to be able to log
1: into their PCs. Yeah, so I think that's a good place for us to stop for this episode. We'll go over the other three uh, infographics in our next episode from BlackRock Engineering and Technology. So if Lovatree, you want to wrap us up,
0: that's all for this episode of The Lojo Show. If you want to see updates on the show, its upcoming guests, and more, follow our LinkedIn or our new Twitter page. If you have questions for Lojo or want to come on the show, you can send us an email at officiallojo.show@gmail.com at gmail.com or join our new Discord server. You have to follow our LinkedIn page to learn how to join. With that, we will say goodbye, have a great week, stay safe, and stay secure.